Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Full Change with Tom Laidlaw. Tom, very pumped about this one. We got a great show today. We got a, an 11-year Ranger, former defenseman that you played with. Yep. We have the great James Patrick. Chief, what's happening, brother? Good to see you again. <clears throat> great to see you. I watch you solo a lot of days, yeah. but it's I still really enjoy you know, hearing some different tidbits or different yeah. uh, recollections from the past. So I'm yeah. so good to see you. This is, uh, uh, again, uh, we've had John Tonelli on here. He's another guy I respect totally. And you're in that category of people that I played with that uh, it's nice, you know, that you've got friends and all that kind of stuff, but I really respected you the way you carried yourself, not just on the ice, off the ice, what you're doing now in your life too. So I'm really glad you're on the show here, bro. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. I, I feel the same way about you. Um, uh, mentor an influence, um, a real positive, uh, person to me when I started playing and and I even think you know what you're doing with your life I'm I'm really pumped about it I think it's you've taken a great course yeah thank you it's worked out well so uh, you grew up in the rich part of Winnipeg I did not I grew up in a middle class neighborhood with a middle class 1960s 70s family seven kids in a yeah. <clears throat> I don't know in a mid you know middle middle of the road house um, but um I mean, I look back at it as a cherished memories of a, I mean, uh, life was fantastic. Yeah. I think in growing up in Canada in the sixties and seventies, um, I don't know, it was just going to yeah. school and playing sports. That was yeah. your life being, being in the house with seven kids and always drama, always someone getting picked on or something sure. going on. Sure. Um, and was it you and Steven and five sisters? Is that what it was? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, my, uh, I have uh, three older sisters, my brother, me, and then two younger sisters. Wow, very cool, very cool. So when you started playing hockey, were you a good player right away? <clears throat> uh, you know, you start playing, you start skating three or four years old. You First year I played, I was six, just normal kid, um, seven and eight, probably like eight or nine. I started becoming one of the better kids in my my, my little neighborhood. Um, you know, we played at community clubs, which were outdoor rinks in Winnipeg. Right. So I lived in a neighborhood called Winnipeg's divided into seven or sorry, six areas. I lived in one area called St. James that you guys bug me about. But <laughs> in St. James, there's like 10 community clubs, 10 outdoor rinks. And you belong to your community club. And 
So till till travel, which started at 11 years old, you all your games and practices would be outdoors, and you'd play against the other uh, community clubs. Yeah, I was um, maybe around nine years old. I became one of the better players. One of the I don't know three or four better players. Nine, ten, and then eleven. Uh, I made there's the six areas of Winnipeg were divided, and <clears throat> that's when you had double uh, A or triple A, double A, and still community club hockey, but. I, when I look back, I think I was one of the better players at 11, 12, 13. Uh, at 14 is kind of when it changed for me, where I, 14, I was probably one of the best players in Winnipeg, maybe me and another guy, kind of. Right. So I forgot to mention, too, one of the worst things for James Patrick to do is talk about himself, too. So this is the very painful for him right now. <laughs> wow. and I, mean, I mean that as a total compliment, too. That's just not James's way. Uh, he'd let his play do the talking or other people do the talking. Polar opposite of you. Then, huh? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> totally. That is true. So then at 14 years old, uh, you start to become one of the better players. Now, do you move? You didn't move ever move away from Winnipeg. You kept playing in Winnipeg all the time. I played. No, I played 14 and 15 <clears throat> in Winnipeg. Um, when I was 15, in, infamous name, uh, Graham James, uh, hockey coach, a minor hockey coach in Winnipeg, who went on to successful junior coach and had, um, you know, was when it was later found out, uh, probably the most famous coach in Canada, certainly, who ever um, took advantage of kids and, and uh, you know, select, sexually uh, molested kids and abused kids. So Graham uh, coached the team a year older for me. Actually, when I was like 13, 14, 15, he coached one age up for me but I would get called up to play for them. When I was 15, I got called up to play for them throughout the year in the, and they had the best team and they won this, the province of Manitoba and then played in the Canadian championships with that. I was part of the team. And um, it just happened that Winnipeg hosted the championships that year. So yeah, all 10 provinces in Canada were represented and Saskatchewan was represented by Notre Dame college, which is a small, small uh, school. Um, and they were just starting to develop the kind of the top ho hockey program in the country. And so I was a 15 year old playing for Manitoba and my dad, my parents went, but my dad ended up meeting the president of the school. And, and uh, so lo and behold, the next year I went to Notre Dame. Wow. Um, so I moved away from home, lived in a dorm, um, a school, there was about 350 students. I think there was a hundred girls and 250 boys. Wow. Was that 15 years old you did that? I went to 15. So it was grade 11. <clears throat> they actually, school was from, they they had school, uh, an elementary school, but then the, the college was from grade seven to grade 12. But they also had a, um, a liberal arts program, a two-year liberal arts university program. So there was about 20 university students. Um, they had two boys' dorms, a girls' dorm. It was... Um, I, I believe I would never have made the NHL if I hadn't gone there. Oh, really? Wow. Um, the coaching was uh, former national Canadian national program coaches, but it was a, a, a town of a hundred people an hour South of Regina in the, on the Canadian prairies. And it was um, the school was largely made up of good athletes um, they had a good football program, hockey program, girls basketball, and kids who uh, who parents couldn't control anymore, troubled youths. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Wow. It was um, incredible <clears throat> how it was operated. It was 
operated on a shoestring budget where they had uh, people in even in running the school management positions, but the students did a lot of the work. Oh. Um, you could have a different job every week. There were gym jobs, there were school jobs, there was kitchen jobs, there was dorm jobs. If you're a kitchen jobs, you had to clean up after you know three meals a day for seven days. And so uh, this is not you're not paid for this. This is part of being part of the so this is part of being a student. Oh. Wow. All the work was done by first year students who were called new boys and supervised by anyone second year or older. And they were called old boys. Oh. Wow. Um, there was um, it was there was a job called rink rat. Oh. They, there was no Zamboni. So they used to flood the ice with a barrel, an oh, yeah. Olympic size arena. And uh, they had four guys with six foot wide shovels. And, and so you, there was usually two games a night. Right. All the games had floods in between periods, in between oh. the games. So if you were on rink rat, you had to, you would put your skates on in between periods, had to shovel the ice. Right. You could, the guys would do it in about two and a half minutes. Really? Wow. Yeah. Um, so the reason I'm talking a lot about this school, the, the hockey, you're on the ice every day. The coaching was incredible, but it was, it was, um, it was a wake up call to be away from home, to be in a, a different environment, a scary environment where a new boy had to do a job. And if you didn't do it, the old boys could, they decide the, you, they would beat you up. And I, I mean, there was physical, there was intimidation and fear. And, and it was almost like, uh, it was kind of wink, wink, um, nod, nod. This was a, not allowed, but it was allowed. Now, did you, were your parents aware that this was going on? no, <clears throat> no, not at all. I I was so mad at my parents for sending me there. I hated it. Oh. For three months, I I was so mad. I I was so homesick right. and didn't want to go back after Christmas. Went back after Christmas and I look back at it being the greatest experience of my life. Wow. Interesting. Um, wow. uh, really good hockey players, probably from our midget team. I bet you about six or seven NHL players. Um, Who are some uh, of those Gord, players? Gord Kluzak, uh, Lyndon Byers. Uh, uh, myself, Gord Shervin played about 250 games. Uh, this Todd Struby played some. Um, Gary Lehman, well, a 50 goal scorer who played yeah, quite yeah. a while. Um, yeah. So, James, uh, you Brian, Brian Curran. So, three of our defensemen, three of our six defensemen played in the NHL myself, oh. Gord Kluzak, and Brian Curran. Well, wow. James, are you guys cleaning the rink between periods of your games? No, no. So if you if you had the job and you had a hockey game, you had to get someone to cover your job for you. That really, wow. Yeah. Now your parents obviously know all this stuff now, right? Oh you yeah. Told, yeah. Oh, right. Well, do they look oh, back yeah. and say, Gee, "I can't believe we did that to you"? Or are they? Uh... No, my dad. My dad thought it was great. My mom was probably a little sympathetic yeah. to me. Right. right. But um, I, I thank thankfully I had my teammates. Uh, I had two teammates at the time, Gord. Gord Kluzak at the time, he was 15 years old, was about 6'3 and yeah. close to 200 pounds. Yeah. And this Todd Struby was another real big, tough farm boy. Right. If I didn't was... have them as as personal bodyguards, like yeah. I would have, like it would, it would have yeah, been more miserable. Sure. Like Curran was a big boy too, big tough guy too. He yeah. sure was, yeah. yeah. Now Lyndon Byers, though, at that time wasn't much of a fighter, right? Was he more of a skilled player? He was a good player. You know, yeah. he, he was a real good player on our team. And um and then ended up going to uh, Regina Pats. Right. Him, this this Dale Durkatch, who was eventually the leading scorer in the Western Hockey League. We had a fantastic midget team, and our two best players were five foot six guys who never played, right. um, never played at a high level, but were be they were our best players. Never made it to the NHL because of uh, size, but right. 
But uh, Byers and Linden and this Durkatch went to Regina and played like three years there and were the best uh, line in the Western Hockey League. And wow. Lehman and I think both uh, Lehman and Byers were second round NHL picks and both yeah. played in the NHL. So. Yeah. So how many years did you stay there? Is it three years? One year. Oh, I really? went there one year. And then I went and played tier two in, in uh, Prince Albert. Oh, okay. So did, you could have gone back there. I could have gone back. Oh. Um, half our team went back and uh, as seniors or grade 12 and played junior in Weyburn, which was a half hour away. Right. So played uh, in the Saskatchewan Junior League for Weyburn. Oh, okay. Good. So you played, what, uh, two more years at uh, in, in no. Weyburn? Is that right? No. I played in Prince Albert. Oh, okay. And one year in Prince Albert, a real good team, a lot of NHL players, Dave Tippett and sure. Greg Peslowski and uh, trying to think, Bill Watson, um, a number of drafted players. There are guys, a number of guys even played in the minors. Sure. Um, and then Dave Tippett and I went to um, to North Dakota together. Oh, okay. I didn't know Tippett went there with you. Oh, wow. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, we actually played a PA together two years in North Dakota, and then a year on the Olympic team together. So we were. So you just got two years of college done. Have you come back and got your degree? I went back for two summers. Yeah. And uh, and then uh, met my wife and never went back again, you know, kind of. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm the same way. I should go back. Yeah. but I'm Really? Gonna, should you? It's kind of lost cause now, yeah. I went to truck driving school, so that's that's one thing. But you you were with us when I went to truck driving school. Oh yeah, I was. Oh. I remember. Uh, I was the one guy who thought you were doing something great, and I would never, I would never crack a joke about you. But I remember, <laughs> I remember Grash and Willie. Oh and yeah, Bob. oh totally. Yeah, I think I can remember Bubba, you know, Barry Beck saying truck driving school, and, oh, yeah, and, yeah. and looking out of the corner of his eyes and going, "What is this guy thinking?" <laughs> Uh, I look back now. That's pretty much been my life. What am I thinking about? Yeah, totally. So you had two years in North Dakota. Did you guys win any national championships, sir? We did my first year. All right. Good. Yeah, that was a good program back then. Right? That was. Yeah. That was really yeah we had, uh, you know, again, I was lucky. G Gina was an awesome coach. Uh, great assistance, and we had this uh, Dean Blaze. Both years was a <clears throat> this guy was right. a leader, um, a mentor, uh, so intense, and I mean we would have our Sunday free skates. You know, he plays Friday, Saturday, and he would be out there and take no prisoners. Like this guy, oh, oh. he'd be running guys and, and sticking guys. And, but yeah. so competitive, like you would want to go through the wall for him. And oh, that's good. Yeah. Well, he went on after Gino Gasparini retired. <clears throat> I think Gino won three national titles. Dean blaze ended up winning two uh, with at North Dakota. And then he went and started the program in Omaha, Nebraska. And, oh, that's right. Yes. Um, yeah. in, in U S hockey circles, he's pretty yeah. uh, well-known name. Really, is, he, yeah, is he still coaching now? No, he's retired, but oh. uh, pretty special guy. And yeah, um, and we had I, when I look at um, my time at North Dakota, like it was Prince Albert in North Dakota. I didn't understand culture. Yeah, but but now that I'm because I'm so young and immature, yeah. and naive. But looking back, like at North Dakota, we had Kerry Eads and Phil Sykes who were fantastic captains and, and right. they set the, they set the the trend and the habit and the, the standard for how you behave, how you work, how you treat each other and, and what's expected to be, you know, if you're going to be on the team for a fighting Sioux, a North Dakota fighting yeah. Sioux, what's expected of you. And, and, and also, but being a good role models, but good mentors to the young guys. Like that's yeah. what I, I look at that and, yeah, that's what I took from there. I played with Phil Sykes in LA there for a couple of years, and he was definitely—I mean, it's a total compliment to him. He did not have a whole lot of talent, but man, he had. It was all about the culture, all about the team, all about the yeah. effort. Yeah, 
definitely. Yeah, definitely. He competed, so, competed yeah. and, and practiced hard. Oh, totally. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he's a good guy, too. So you have two years in North Dakota, then you go play on the Canadian Olympic team for the 84 Olympics, correct? Yeah. Good. Yeah. How, how'd that experience go for you? Because Tom missed out on his Olympic team. I know. I know. Holy heartbreaking. It could have been you four years before. You oh, might have been the difference. There you go. Yeah. The, if you heard Brooks would be in the NHL. Yeah. That's right. So when I when I went to Notre Dame, this school, College of Notre Dame, it's called in, in Canada, and um, both are the two coaches there um, were Terry O'Malley and Barry McKenzie, who played in the 64 and 68 Olympics for Canada. Right. Canada back then had a national program. Um, both guys played pro, played some in the NHL, played some in Europe, and then came back, had their teaching degrees and and started uh, teaching. And one was a principal, one was a teacher at this this small oh, little college. Yeah. <clears throat> I didn't even know about the Olympics or the Olympic team up until when I went there. You know, it, it didn't get a much. So this was, I went there in 1979, 80. Mm -hmm. This is when the, the Miracle on Ice. Sure. But our teacher was Terry O'Malley, who was 40 years old. And he was there for like the first two months. And then he left to join the Canadian national. I remember. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And um, so our whole school took a, like now we took so much interest in it. And, and I, like, I remember watching that Olympics intently. Can Canada had a good team. Like they finished fourth. They lost to, they lost to the Russians like six, four, like they right. played, Yep. they played well, but um, obviously no one really noticed because of what the U S team did. And, yeah. and, but that kind of, that's the first I, you know, having knowing someone who played in the Olympics that and kind of the way we were taught, our coach was a former Olympian. It kind of instilled that, Hey, this would be something that'd be awesome to do. And then obviously seeing what, what happened in 1980, I think it's the, the greatest upset yeah. in the history of sports. Yep. Um, I was able in 83 to play in the world championships against the Russian national team. I played in the Olympics 84, you know, played a lot of international hockey in 83 with, they had three of us amateurs and the rest of the NHL team, NHL players who didn't make the playoffs playing in the world championships in Germany. We lost eight, one to the Russian national. Oh, is that right? Wow. They were on another planet. Yeah. Um, and you know, having to, we both got to play with Pav and, and you play with Rob and, and Rob McClanahan yep. and, and uh, a number of Olympians who ended up playing against a lot of those guys, but knowing how good the Russian national team was and, and they were just as good in 1980. Yeah. Um, it, it, I, it's in, incomparable to another sport, yeah. what they accomplished. Like yeah, I, but so that kind of all that, that year when I was 16 year old led me to wanting to play in the Olympics. Um, so after my second year of North Dakota, um, the Rangers, Craig Patrick called and they wanted me to come join the team. And I said, I wanted to play in the Olympics. And, and um, Craig was very disappointed. Oh, really? Okay. I didn't know even, this. And even being, you know, coming, Craig was the assistant coach on the, yeah. the 1980 team, but yeah. now he was working for the Rangers. They felt I was ready to play. I thought, Yes, I and I not I wanted to play in the NHL more than anything my whole sure. life, but at that time I had gotten in my head that this would be a lifetime experience. Sure. It would only delay it by maybe six months, which it did. That's all that happened. So. Can, can James, can you talk about your your draft uh, because you were highly touted, obviously, and then you know that was probably difficult for Laidlaw as a defenseman on that team seeing you get drafted. <laughs> Job security. I, I, I highly doubt it. I don't know. I don't think I was that highly touted. 
I was playing tier two uh, junior A in, in Prince Albert. Uh, most, you know, most of the players um, come from major junior and college. At that time, most of the first round draft picks. The year before, Brent Sutter was drafted in the first round. He played uh, junior A in the Alberta League. First round by the uh, Islanders. So uh, because I wanted to, I knew then I was going to university. Um, you had to play junior A. You couldn't go to um, the Western Hockey League. Um, so was playing in Prince Albert. I didn't even know it was my draft year till Christmas. I really? came home at Christmas. I don't, Tom, I don't even remember. They, they lowered the age one year. Oh yeah. Between, yeah. The, between the 1980 and the 81 draft, they, sure. they lowered the draft age. And, um, I, I coach a minor hockey league coach. I ran into him at the rink. I was home at Christmas and went to a rink and he said, you know, you're rated, you're ranked in the central scouting rankings for the draft. So I'd heard that at Christmas. Um, we had a real good team. And uh, so I, maybe at the end of the year, after our season, I think two teams phoned me. I did not have an agent. Right. Um, they phoned the team and through the, the head coach, which was Terry Simpson, who also coached in the NHL after sure. uh, he left. Um, you know, he set up a phone interview and I remember David McNabb of the Washington Capitals at the time, you know, phoned me and talked to me for about 20 minutes and someone from Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh. Well, I, I knew there was like, this was so new uh, and it's yeah. so different now, Yeah, but I knew, okay, I I'm getting drafted um, or there, no, I'm, I'm eligible to be drafted and there's teams that ask me questions. I didn't know what round or where I would go. On the day of the draft, um, I was I had school. I had a spare of the first class, and before I left for school, an agent phoned me who was trying to recruit me and said, "You just got drafted in the first round by the Rangers," and then he put Craig Patrick on the phone. Oh, and, and so that was I got, you know, I talked to Craig for maybe ten minutes. I went to school, and I was super excited. You know, sure, um, you know, what, half what round? What round did you go in? I went the first round. There you go. So my draft year, I didn't know it was my draft year until I got drafted. They didn't bother calling me at all. <laughs> Sent a pigeon. Uh, um, but who, who did call you when you did get drafted? Actually, um, I, was, um, I was working on a horse farm uh, at another farm other than ours. They'd called my father and told him that I was drafted. And that was it. They just said, okay, you drafted your son. That was really the conversation. That's when he called me at the farm and uh, told me I was drafted. That's when I said what, what, Were you at um, Northern Michigan at the time? Uh, yes, that was in between my uh, sophomore and junior year. Yep. So it was a 20 year old draft at that point. For wow. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Because the draft was, you're yeah. a little older and then they, yeah. they dropped yeah. it like two years. My father was like, I said, well, I told you the story. Right? <laughs> I love the story. Yeah. So oh, I, God, I, I told him, I told he, I says, what do I do now? He says, get back out there and finish cleaning the shit out of the stalls. That was my draft day. And they never, the Rangers never called me for months. I had to call them finally, like, what do I do? And they could get up there and play hockey. <laughs> God, so yeah. Shut up. Yeah. Definitely. That's funny because. I mean, I know I was so excited to get drafted and it's, you know, you hold it inside. I remember going yeah. to school and, you know, your head is not in school and I couldn't yeah. wait to see my two best friends from my team to tell them. I remember telling them and it was like, they looked at me like, so big deal. Like, is that right? Oh, did yeah, they? Like, <laughs> oh, seriously? Like your first round draft pick and they didn't get excited about that? Well, I mean, uh, it, it was, it wasn't that big a deal, you know? Yeah, like, I guess so. Yeah. But I mean, it is, it is though in Canada. If a kid just to get drafted is a big deal, but to go in the first round—that's. I, I think it's it's so big now. Yeah, that's and true. The hype and the attention and the it's gone so 
blown out of proportion yeah. compared to what it was back then. Yeah, that's true. You know, the, the draft was in Montreal. Like every year it was in Montreal. Now, you know, it goes to different yeah. cities. Um, I think just, you know, guys in the first round might go to the draft, but I bet you half of them didn't. Right. You know, didn't even go, you know, whereas now, you know, guys, you know, being an agent, guys in the yeah. fifth and sixth and seventh round are well, going to. Who was who was the agent called you? He was with Craig Patrick. Who was that? Art Kaminsky. Kaminsky. It was Art Kaminsky. Art Kaminsky. Yes, there you go. Yeah. And you know, he ended up having a whole, a lot of the Rangers. Did, was he your agent? Yeah, he remember. I remember he came up to Northern Michigan. There's myself, Steve Weeks, I think Greg Tignanelli was also draft eligible. Sat down in the coach's office. Coach said, "This is your new. This is your agent right here." I said, "Okay, because that's it." <laughs> yeah, he. Was I wonder if someone was getting paid under the table. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. And he ended up getting a bunch of us in these four to one tax write offs, too. It cost us all money. Yeah, he was a lovely gentleman. I know. Lovely gentleman. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And... Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, okay, so then so you go to college, have your two years of college, uh, the Canadian Olympic team, and then right after the Olympics, you came with us to the Rangers, correct? Yeah. Yes. Did you bring the toilet bowl thing on your head with you? Was that-, that was in my um, third year. I got hit, and I pitched a nerve in my neck. Ted Sater said I could not play unless I wore that. Oh, and the hilarious thing is, and James knows this, he only wore it for a couple of months, right? Is it two, that, that's months? it. Right. I probably every, wore it, it seems like every picture of James Patrick has the toilet bowl. <laughs> oh but was Sater your favorite coach too, James? Uh, you guys got along. No. Okay. Well. Um, I have, I look back at him and I mean, maybe even being a coach now, I think, um, I think he did, he, he did some good things. I just think his yeah. respect for his respect for players and respect for the veteran players, just, it killed him as a coach. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, when he sent those guys off at the start of the year, like Mike Rogers, Nick like, and he's almost like he was doing it purpose to like really good guys too, right? The really team players. He was coming in. He's uh, maybe it's him putting his stamp on the team. He yeah. says, you know, but he's getting rid of some really good people. Yeah. Um, and it was, I mean, it sent a message to everyone else. I, I'm, I don't know if you know this, but so he came in. Um, I had a, you know, played really well when I first joined the team. Yeah. Then the next year, you know, my it's it's my first full year, but kind of my second year with the team, and it, I had a really tough year and did not live up to expectations, did not really? play as well. Wow, I don't remember that. Wow. That was yeah, that 1985 year, and so now the next, you know, then he got hired in the off season, right? And the and we had a lot of defensemen. We probably had about eight defensemen. Sure. 
the first 10, 12 games, I hardly played. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Like I was the sixth defenseman and um, not happy about it. Very, un, you know, you know, we had, we had Baba, I don't know if you remember, Gresh was a healthy scratch the first four games. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and there's Baba and Rexy and you and Willie and me and Grant Ledyard and Steve Richmond. Yeah. Um, so that's like, right. like eight guys. Um, we played the, like the 12th game of the year in Winnipeg. And that morning in the paper, I got interviewed and a, a reporter the day before had asked me, um, here, heard I'm unhappy and I wanted out. Oh. So he, he asked me that question. I didn't, I didn't say I wanted to get traded or anything, but, um, I said something about not playing much. Right. So, you know, you remember in those days you'd go to the city and you get the paper outside your yeah. Yep. Or and the guys would go down for breakfast every and especially the Canadian cities, there'd be three pages of hockey stories. Yeah, yeah totally. So that morning skate, Ted came up to me on the ice and said, you know, I'm going to try and get you involved in the game more. And uh, so obviously he read the paper too. Sure, sure. Um, I got a goal. We won the game and I know I started playing more. Well, I remember like probably two months later, him telling me I'm the best, of, you know, I'm a best <laughs> player. I'm the best defenseman. Well, the first 12 games, I, you, you know, play. I play. <laughs> right. um, but I, and the, but after the year, when we lost, we lost in the semifinals to Montreal, Ted told me if we would have had Ron Gresham, he thinks we would have won the Stanley Cup. Gresh broke his thumb. That's right. Gresh, Gresh became, Gresh was huge. Like yeah. he, he ended up playing center. Yep. Played huge minutes. And, you know, killed penalties, played power play, like played a big role, play, could play defense and forward. And and it was just fun. Like here, Gresh couldn't play at the start, but then yeah. at the end of the year, he's our best player. Right. Um, I felt a little bit like, so did I like Ted or Ted Sater? I mean, he played that second half. He played me a lot. Sure. I played a ton. And and so I remember I, he, I moved to the left side. I played with uh, Willie. Yeah, probably maybe around the time you hurt your spleen because we lost a, a left That's defenseman. Right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and um, I just, I just look at, I the biggest thing I, I do take the two things I take from that year, me doing crossovers on my knees. Um, <laughs> you tell that story. Come on. You tell I the story better than anybody. I do not know if people, if you don't see it, can even believe that this is happening, but I know um, I was always full of vim and vigor and I, I had energy. I, I always felt I wanted to get on the ice and skate hard because I wanted to get into get my legs going, get, you know, right. get into practice. And I've always had to be the first guy doing drills, you know, every drill, you know, I got to be at the front of the line. And and so I, we were down with the assistant. I, I, hold on. I just interrupt you one sec. You did it in front of the three of the worst people you could probably do it in front of too. There's Ron Gresham and myself yeah. and Barry Beck, right? Before and Barry all, Beck. Okay. all right. So all okay. the defensemen are down in one quarter and the forwards are at the other end. We're doing defenseman drills. And I'm pretty sure it was Reg Higgs said, okay, I want you to skate backwards to the blue line. Um, hit your knees on the blue line, then do crossovers along the blue line and then skate forward to the other corner, you know, kind of. So, but it, that was his exact yeah, instruction. Okay, backwards to the blue line, fall to my knee on the blue line, do crossovers along the blue line and then skate forward to the other corner. So I skate backwards. I go full speed. I hit fall to my knees. Then I start doing crossovers on my knees. <laughs> oh, and which, we were dying. Oh, God. which is impossible to do. Yes, yes, yes. So I still remember. I, I'll. I mean, I remember trying it for about five steps, but you can't do it. <laughs> and 
Oh God! Seeing Tommy Gresham, Barry Beck, I can still see Barry Beck's face almost oh. dying because he didn't wear a helmet. You know, and he was even oh, more. Yeah. I th I think there were forwards at the other end of the ice who were watching me and oh, laughing. Yeah. Oh yeah, because um, we were laughing so much they had like, "What the hell's yes. going on down there?" Yeah. I know word, word spread pretty quick because I remember he hearing from half the forwards after practice. James, you know what I love though is that you tell the story better than anybody else, right? It's obviously something oh you're not. Yeah, that's excellent. That was that was club. Yeah, because back in those days we were. I think it's still like that, but we were just relentless, right? Especially in practice, with something's going on. Yeah. Oh, no. for sure. Uh, so I, I take that from my year with Ted Sater. I mean, I I remember we would. That was the other thing. He, we would do stations. We yeah. would come out and do a practice. Someday we'd be work on different skills and we'd have a shooting station, a backward yeah. skating station, a stick handle station. You know, we had tires that you had to, you know, run or skate through the tires or we were banking pucks off of two by fours and sure. yep. some corny drills. And that's why uh, that crossovers on the knee fell into, yeah. into that category. But I just, Pierre LaRouche was a yeah. 48 goal scorer in 1984, a 32-goal scorer in 1985, and you cut him yeah. like three days or four days into training camp. That's yeah. that's and, and you don't send them someplace. You send them to another team's minor league team, right? To Hershey. I that's, yeah, I know. Like that, that, how that whole thing played out. I'm, I can't believe Craig let that happen. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. And I, I do wonder, you know, maybe Craig's neck was on the line. He hired Ted Sater, and now, you know, yeah. this is his last, uh, last hurrah with, with Ted, and Mike Rogers, a former hundred point guy, not too like maybe two years before, yeah, um, could make plays. And but, I mean, of all the, uh, you can go all, go through all four. Glenn yep. Hanlon is character of character, yep. competitive goalies, and Nick Vitio is an icon. Yeah, I'm so I'm saying you don't treat any veteran that I know, way. I know. And like um, you said before, he's trying to put his stamp on the team and you get that, but that's not the way to do it, right? You don't get the players respect. These are adults or men. They just, they, yeah. these are their friends. Yeah. Uh, their lives, their lives, their families, a whole bit, um, their legacies. So that was, um, I, I mean, uh, that probably, that sticks with me with Ted Sater. Yeah, totally. So you had 11 years with the Rangers, correct? I think like 10 and a bit. Right. Yeah. So we went to the semifinals that one year. How Did you ever get to the semifinals again or how did the team no. do? No. no we should, we should uh, talk about 92, though, because that was a great team. That just kind of, I don't Yeah, know. it was um, – you know, probably the best team that I played on um, with the Rangers. With that was Roger Nilsson coaching. Um, who my first six years ultimately ended up having six coaches. You know, one. You know, we had. I mean, because Craig coached for a while, and yep. we had Herb. We had uh, Ted Sater. We had, uh, um, and then we brought Tommy Webster. That's right. And Tommy got sick and coach, and then um, ended up having uh, Phil coach for a bit, and Michelle Bergeron, and so I think after. After Phil and Michelle Bergeron left, then uh, Neil Smith came in and, and hired Roger Nelson right away. Um, and awesome coach. Like Brian, I, Brian Leach is on the team at that point. Is Brian, Leach, yes. Brian Leach was drafted in 88. And so um, um, I think Roger got hired in 90, 89, 90 around there. Um, and then ultimately, you know, obviously traded for Masson. Um, but just, um, that, I mean, that year was – you can always say should have, could have, would have, but we had a great, a fantastic season. We won the president's trophy. We beat the devils in seven games and then lost to, um, lost to Pittsburgh in six, you know, the uh, overtime game four just killed us. Cause we were up two to one. We were up three to one in the game with five minutes left. And 
and uh, they got a goal and a long shot and pulled their goalie, scored, and then scored in overtime. And you know, we we could have had been had a three one lead in that series, and wow. and they came up, they won the last two games, identical games. I think it was like two two or three three, and they scored in the last five minutes. And Yager was Mario got hurt, and Yager was. 19 i think or 18 wow. still but he was by the playoffs he was pretty impressive and is that what graves slashed mario is that how we get graves slashed mario mario broke a bone his hand and so he wow. missed the rest of the series and uh and i mean we had a lot of good players and it was you know it was devastating to lose because what it what also happened that year we went on strike so the oh, season right. ended yeah. and we went on strike and it, there was no hockey for two weeks and uh, no one skating. And, you know, I just felt, you know, then, so two weeks later, everyone started up again. You know, you had like uh, three, four, five days of practice and got into the playoffs. And I don't, I mean, every team, it was, it was the same conditions for every team, but I just felt we lost some of our momentum and mojo by then. Um, but it was, um, yeah, I mean, great. Obviously, that's when Mike Richter was coming into his own and Beezer was, you know, still, it was a great goaltending tandem and, and Leachy was now emerging as, you know, a Norris trophy defenseman. I think he won it that year and, you know, him yep. and uh, Messier were, were incredible. And, um, that, I mean, that was the one thing about mess. Uh, you know, we played against them. You played against them, you know, your whole career, you played against them all those years. And I knew, I knew he was a great player. I played in the Canada cup with him. Um, for a guy his size, a 210 pound man was, could fly like great speed. Yep. Um, and we all know he could play intimidating and he can, you know, he can make plays, but I, until we, I played with him that year, I was amazed at how many plays, what, what a phenomenal playmaker he was. Oh. I think he ended up with 109 points. He could have had 150. Oh, okay. Like he would, I wasn't the best goal scorer. He would set me up three times a game and I'd hit the goalie right in the, right in the logo on his Jersey. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like he'd set me up wide open or, you know, for breakaways, even like joining late coming right down the middle. And sure. um, so obviously like he, that was the first year, <clears throat> you know, seeing uh, had a front row to seeing what a great, like sure. what a great all around player he was. So right. pretty. Uh, so when you ultimately got traded, did you know that was coming? Yeah, I did. A um, um, couple of things happened. I uh, the year before I uh, ended up having back surgery, um, right. hurt my back in maybe November. Got hit from behind and kept playing for about three more months, um, which is so stupid because it ended up having nerve damage in my leg. Could never, never recovered. Could skate the same way again. But um, you know, you didn't. I knew there was something wrong with my back, but back then it was like tape and aspirin on it. And, yeah, yeah. and um, so I ended up ultimately getting surgery, missed the last maybe 25 games rehab came in the summer. And then, and by then Mike Keenan was hired. And um, in the first week of training camp, we played 11 exhibition games and I dressed for two of them. Oh, so I kind of see the writing was on the wall. And so, at that time in training camp, Neil Smith pulled me aside and said, listen, he said, I knew this is going to happen, but I, I don't know where, you know, what's going to happen uh, with Mike. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, he wants to uh, move on from guys who've been here. Like Neil, this is Neil told me right, oh, right to my wow. face. You, you're the longest, uh, you and Beezer have been here the longest. Right. 
or no, Beezer had gone left that summer. Sorry. Oh, and he said, right. you, you've been here the longest. And he says, I don't know. We'll see how this plays out. Uh, but I'll, you know, I'll do my best to find you a good place to play if I have to move you. Oh, so Neil told cool. me yeah. that in yeah, training well. camp. Um, or like right at either training camp or like the first after the first game of the season. Right. That's pretty and, cool. Uh, so, yeah. So first game I, I got, uh, I dressed for the first game and I got uh, three chefs, one in the first period, one in the second, one in the third. And now what's Keenan saying to you at this point? Is he not saying anything probably? Or... <clears throat> well, I'll tell you what the first thing he, he uh, said hello to me at training camp. I played for him in the Canada cup in 87. Oh, okay. right. um, me and Leachie, about uh, we were skating and we came down to the training to the to ride maybe about a week before training camp put our stuff there saw him in the dressing room he you know shook my hand said hello how you doing then never said a word to me in training camp oh is that right not one word and um the very first game um leech and buka boomerang and then uh, zuboff and someone and uh i think it was uh Kevin Lowe went on and then I was playing on the next pair maybe with Jay Wells. I can't remember who I was with, but so they were almost coming off. <clears throat> Mike changed the defense and forwards. Right. So I'm standing up, you know, I'm at the gate ready to go on. Yeah. And he said, he looked at me, he said, what are you doing? <laughs> goes, Sit down. I'll tell you when you're going on. And uh, I, so I sat back down and, uh, you know, he just went with forward defense the whole period. But, you know, we got on one shift. Wow. <clears throat> we lost the game. The next day, we had no practice, but we had a meeting with everyone. And so you walked in, and on the board, it said, you know, uh, number two meeting at, you know, 1030. Right. Right. Everyone had a five-minute meeting. And in my meeting, he told me I was the worst player on the ice. <laughs> Thanks, Coach. And I said, how could I be the worst player on the ice? I played three shifts. And he said, um, well, that's all you deserve. So he said on your first shift, you could have pinched and kept the puck in. I don't remember that. So, um, and he, but he said, you know, if you play like that, he says you, you won't be here very long. So, um, I, so he, yeah, he made up his mind. I played, um, I think I, I know I played, um, maybe six games. The next game I got an assist my first shift and then I played regular. Um, the game after that, it was back down to like one game. I played one shift, one game. I played two shifts. Yeah. So I ended up, anyways, I ended up getting traded. Uh, it was the Hartford, right? Did you go to Hartford first? Yeah. Who'd you get traded for? I think it was a three-way deal oh. um, with Chicago and Hartford. Yeah. And um, me and Darren Turcott went to Hartford. Um, and Steve Larmer ultimately came to the Rangers. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah, definitely. How long were you in Hartford then? Five months. Oh, you? Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> Five so months. But, almost, and, 11, 11, uh, almost 11 years in one state all of a sudden now you're five months and you're gone yeah and um um got to the on the trade deadline like a few days before maybe three days before uh got traded to calgary that's right and we had um we had a competitive team we were in that playoff battle and probably about a week maybe a week before the trade deadline we had a, a west coast swing and we lost every game um we went to I remember LA, Anaheim, San Jose, you know, Vancouver might've been on the trip. It was like about a six, six game road trip when we lost every game oh. and came back and, and started trading, trading away. That was kind of the start of, you know, around that era when teams started trading off right. guys in their, uh, 
last year as a contract, which I wasn't. I think I had maybe two years left. But uh, yeah. Michael Nylander, me, Zarley Zalapski, oh, that's um, right. a few other guys got traded. To um, Calgary, that's right. Yeah. Zarley Zalapski, greatest name ever. So how many years were you in Calgary then? Uh, five in Calgary. Oh, okay. And was Sutter coaching then? Who was coaching at that time? Uh, he was my last year. Brian Sutter was my last year. I had Dave King, Pierre Paget, and, and Brian Sutter. Oh, wow. Well, okay. You got rid of a lot of coaches during your career. I'm great at firing coaches. Oh, good. And yeah. so how many years in Calgary then? Five years? Five. five. And then where did you yeah. go after that? Buffalo for my last six. Oh, that's right too. Yes. Who, who was your Buffalo. agent, James? James, because Tom was an agent at the time and you didn't, you didn't ring him I up. No, I had Herb Pinder. I had my original agent. and Yeah, he's a good guy too, though. Yeah, you should yeah. not have changed. I'd love to tell you you should have changed, but he's a good guy. Yeah. I, I thought no. it was good at his job too. Like he was really good. I remember him coming in. A lot of agents don't do this. Like you came in for your first practice and he was there with you. A lot of agents yeah. don't do that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, he uh he held your hand a bit, but he's yeah. very intelligent man, you know, has a law degree, has a master's in business from Harvard Business School. Yeah. He was uh family business and they, they owned uh like over a hundred drugstores that he was yeah. at 40 years old, he was the CEO of a a hundred million, you know, hundreds of million dollars worth of a company. And right. um, just, he's been in the oil and gas business as a, like an investor um, for the last 30 years, does a lot of work with that, but just a really yeah. smart man. Good man. Yeah. A good person. And, too, and yeah. a really good person. Yeah. I remember poor James came into the locker room where I played on the first time. And unfortunately he had to sit beside Ray Roots Lane. And Rear Ruslan is the most fantastic guy ever, but he never spoke. So here's poor James in the new locker room, you know, probably a little bit nervous. He's sitting right, like nobody's having a conversation with him, whatever. So I came over like a smart ass and I said, listen, if Rexy starts talking too much, just let me know. I don't <laughs> and, remember that, but I do remember sitting by Rexy. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And then I remember getting to know him and what a phenomenal yeah. guy he was yeah. and pretty funny too. Like, Oh, yes, absolutely true. Yeah. Like he didn't talk like the first couple of months. We finally went to the pub one day and had a couple of cocktails and then all of a sudden he started talking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do. Um, I do look back at though. I mean, of the the ten years in New York, like that, those guys were phenomenal. Yeah, like I love, I love those that group of guys. Yeah, and, you know, Pav and Rexy and and, and, Mike, you Allison. and, Rash and Mike Allison, like yeah, yeah like just uh, that was a good team. We had, I think I told you this. We had Clark Gillies on the show. Maybe you were on the show uh, with us when we had Clark on, and he said that if we had won that series when Ken Morris scored that overtime goal, he thought we could have won the cup that year. That we were that good. I just yeah. uh, there, there was a lot of good players in that team. Yeah, yeah, and, and good team players too, right? Yeah. I remember having like all good guys that really knew their roles, played their roles. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Do you remember the night before the game uh, that Kenny Morrow? Uh, we had a little party. In my, it was much of a party. We were playing uh, Trivial Pursuit. Was it Trivial Pursuit? Yeah, yeah, that's some party. Yeah, so we end up getting a brawl the two teams against each other. Oh no, I don't. Oh, we have. Fun. I just know. I remember that series staying at the hotel in Long Island. Yep. yep. Um, you know, having the team meal, and now everyone was in there, like even some scouts and you know yep. Craig, like, and there were guys were having beers, and it was they brought in a masseuse. You could go up and get a massage, and and like it was just you know at that time of year, like you're in as good a shape as you're going to ever be, and yeah, and it's. Do you remember, remember when Craig brought in the uh, sports psychologist? <laughs> I will never, never, ever forget that. No, he wasn't a sports psychologist. He was a guru. Yeah. He was like an Eastern me yeah. medicine type of guru who had a vision. This guy was walking through the street somewhere and then had a vision that the Rangers were going to win. And he had, he got a hold of Craig Patrick. Oh, and, I didn't know that part. Oh, yeah. Wow. And Craig, you know, brought him in and he was all about positive energy yeah. and yeah. mysticism and, yeah. 
like he was so far out there. I think there's positive well, energy is a great thing, but he was. Right, I know. He was remember, remember we had Robbie Fatorik on the team, right? And he, Robbie Fatorik's Mr. Discipline. And uh, somehow we got in asking the, the guru what his qualifications were. And he pulled out that green card from his wallet saying that he had a degree in surgery from the University of France. Which Robbie's head just turned purple at that time. He's like, this is not cutting it. And remember, I had just lost my spleen or had the spleen surgery. And he knew I wasn't believing in this guy. At the end of the meeting, we've been there about two hours. And he says, uh, he says, and the energy from the universe comes down into your spleen, to, to, to your body. And uh, your brother was sitting right beside me. And the guy goes, do you believe that, Tom? And your brother goes, just say yes, Tom. Just say yes. Get over there. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I said, no, I don't believe that. So he goes on for another hour. The guys were not too happy with me for continuing that, but that was funny. But I, and I got to be careful because Craig's a fantastic person. And so it's, I didn't know that part that he'd contacted Craig. I thought this was Craig's guy that he was bringing in. But. I think that was my memory of it because okay. okay. I remember him, this guy telling the story. Yeah. You know, he that's was, funny. that's funny. Had a vision. So you finished your career in Buffalo. Uh, how did it go? Did you guys get, go to the finals or semifinals? Went or my first year in Buffalo went to the finals, lost in game six to Dallas, triple overtime. Um, really heartbreaking a series that could have gone either way. Um, uh, and they had, they probably, I mean, they had some high end players. Hashik was our superstar. Right. Um, Hashik didn't win us. He was outstanding against oh. Ottawa. Oh. Unbelievable in the first two games. From that point on, we out chanced or outplayed. We, we dominate. We won the first two games because of Hashik. The next two games, we blew out Ottawa, win the series in four. Right. We beat Boston in five. We outplayed them. Right. And I mean, so Hashik is the greatest goalie I've ever played with. But, you know, everyone thinks, well, you guys had Hashik. That's why you went to the final. No, we outplayed, you right. know, we beat Toronto in five games. Wow. Um, we just had, we had underrated good players. Zitnik uh, and Schmelik were as good defensively as any two defensemen, uh, you know, maybe I'd played with. Right. Um, a lot of depth. Mike Pekka, what a good two-way yeah. player. He was a tough guy too. Yeah, oh, big guy pound for pound. Yeah, the hardest hitter and could skate. Right. Like was way better. Like that guy, he could fly. Yeah, he could play against anyone. And you know, Shatan and Groshek and Jeff Sanderson, Brian Holzinger. Like we had Joey Juno was 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 just Stu Barnes. Yeah, guys were they were they're good players. Guys yeah. who had scored thirty goals, a lot of them. And sure. So we um. Yeah, it was heartbreaking. That was the, the foot in the crease goal by Brett Hall. But it, oh yeah, um, oh Tom over here he, said that should have counted. Tom, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't say I that. Felt, when the puck went in, I thought we lost, so it felt like it counted. And then the controversy started about ten yeah. minutes after. Didn't Lindy was Lindy was coaching at the time. Lindy Ruff was yeah. coaching, right? And he wouldn't yeah. talk the next. Remember the next draft, he got up on the stage and he wouldn't talk to Gary Bettman. Wouldn't shake his yeah, hand. that's right. <laughs> I remember um, that. Oh. Um, so, um, six we. I loved um, playing in Buffalo. I went there for one year thinking it was the last year of my career. It was like my 15th year. And um, one year turned into six. It was like one year turned into one more, come back one more. And by then, um, if I didn't need an agent then. But, um, you know, basically at the end of the year, Lindy would say, you know, we'd like to bring you back if you want to come back. I say, yeah, I want to come back. And I'd sign. So I signed six one-year deals. And, huh? and the first year brought me in as kind of veteran depth. And then the next five years played regular right. and, you know, and kind of got my foot in the door and was, the, the game was a little different then because um, there were so many, I mean, yes, there, there was way more obstruction and, and a lot of the top players were taken out of the game, but every goal count like was so important. There's so many low scoring games. 
And we had some really good young D in our farm system, but, um, but they're, uh, I just I can remember we had a couple of young D this one year and every game they'd, they'd do something really stupid that would cost a goal. And so the first 10 games, I might, I might sit out a few, I might not play. And then 10 games in, we were fighting for a playoff spot and I got to play the rest of the year just for being steady. So, and you kind of at that point understood that that was your role, right? Like you yes. knew at that point, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, I, the last four years, I played with Jay McKee, Dimitri Kalinin, Henrik Talender, and Brian Campbell. Wow. All in their first year. So I knew by then, I knew my last two years, I think I played with Brian Campbell, yeah. who was, uh, you know, player. played maybe two years in the minors, then came up with us, um, could skate, from, yeah. fantastic skater, had to learn how to play in his own zone. Right. But this kid wanted to learn after every shift, he'd ask me what he could do different. Like uh, I really enjoyed playing with him because he, he wanted to get better. Um, so but that, that became my role. Right. So obviously Lindy rough, the coach and the organization sees that this is happening, right? That you're really yes. like an assistant coach still playing. Right. Yeah. You know what happened? Um, and I think about, I, when I was, when I was 35, 36, I, I didn't think I was going to be a coach after. Right. I, I mean, I wasn't planning on that or thinking that. Um, kind of became this mentor. But I had seen, I had seen some older guys throughout my career. And, they, and some of them were good players. Some of them super competitive players who had good years or great careers or good careers. Wanting to hold on to their job so bad that they would be. Yeah super negative to young players. Sure. They'd go up. I mean, I remember this one forward in Buffalo who would, he would backstab, he would do anything he could to make it harder on a young player. And I know in his head, he was thinking, fuck, they're not taking my job. Yeah. Yeah. And my feeling was if this guy plays better, he makes me look better. Sure. And especially maybe it's easier being a defenseman and a defense partnership, a pairing. And, uh, so it just kind of, again, morphed into, I'm going to do everything I can to help this player. And I mean, I, I was 40 years old. I was playing with Brian Campbell and I know I couldn't skate as well, but I could still move a puck and I had could defend and had vision. And I used to say, like, I get the puck, I'm going to bring one guy to me and then I'm going to bring, try and skate at the guy who's kind of on your side and you get in the middle and I'm getting you the puck. Sure. And then he would wheel it out of the zone. Like we, you know, we formed a pretty good partnership there. Yeah. And he made me look good, like, because he could, you know, he could go back for pucks that, you know, faster than I could. And, you know, and, and I could be the steady guy. Right. That's, that's more or less how that turned into having a relationship with Lindy. And he saw what I kind of what I brought. And then he offered me, you know, first to, to be the skill coach after, uh, and then it went from skill coach to be an assistant coach. Oh, I didn't know the skill coach. Right. Okay. So when your career ended though, you say, okay, this is it. I, like, you didn't want to hang on anymore. That was enough. Well, I, I was 40 that last year. And then we had the lockout for the whole year. That's there it. was no hockey. Um, could I have continued playing? I don't know. Maybe. I, I mean, I, I think, I know I could have still played. Are you going to get the opportunity as, you know, was the team still willing to say, Hey, we, we still need you to bring you back. Cause at some point they were saying, no, we're moving. We got to bring our, get our young guys playing or that's a spot mm. at, at that time. As soon as, as soon as the season was canceled, uh, pretty, pretty early Lindy reached out and said, listen, you know, I can't see you playing anymore. You're going to be, you know, you're 41. Now you're going to be 42 at some point during the next hockey season. Sure. Um, but I, you know, I 
think you could you could coach and I think it'd be you know it'd be something that you could be valuable at so you know if it's something you'd like to do you know you know let's talk about it or, or give me a call like that I think it started like that and then he you know they had their staff um and he just Scott O'Neill was an assistant coach Brian McCutcheon and he just so he he said you know I think we could bring you in as a skill coach like a third assistant it'd be a great transition for you and so it started so they, with that. they created a new role for you is what they did well, I, you know, a lot of teams were bringing in a yeah. skill coach, you know, kind of a third assistant, but that's what they he yeah. kind of opened up that. Yeah, sure. That's cool. I mean, that says a lot about you, too. I, I'm, you know, no coaching experience. They really don't have to create that role, right? They created a role for you because they want to keep you as part of the organization. So I think that's actually a compliment, right? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I look at it like that. I, um, I, I went back a long way with Lindy. Lindy played his last three years. Um, with the Rangers, oh, I think he yes, traded in um, maybe 88 eight, or 89, 90, 91. Yeah. Um, he was with the Rangers. And then, um, you know, so we were teammates, we were friends, our wives were friends. And, and, you know, then he ended up in Buffalo. And um, when I, when I was playing in Calgary, I remember seeing him, talked to him in the hallway a few times, just, you know, sure. family, those type of things. And then when my last year in Calgary, I became a free agent and, uh, was getting near the end of the summer and ended up, um, you know, first, you know, it's kind of, you know, all that free agent frenzy happens and, sure. and I didn't get signed in that and then it slowed down. But then at the end of the summer, I had, you know, Buffalo was interested in and Tampa. They were both, I guess, kicking the tires and then got an offer from both and ended up talking to Lindy. And I knew, right. you know, just, I knew definitely wanted to play for him. And definitely he, he was a, a disciple or, you know, Roger Nelson was his, his, biggest influence and right. he became an assistant for Roger for four years in Florida. That's mm -hmm. how he started his coaching career. And oh. I, I can go, go back. And Roger was definitely one of my favorite coaches I ever oh. had. Yeah. Like, like it was, you know, when I think of Roger Nelson, I, when, when he got hired, I still remember thinking we hired this 65 year old coach, which was ancient back then. And yeah. I remember thinking, yeah. man, we got this old guy. And, and I walked into Playland the very first day, and when I met him, he was wearing like um, beach shorts, like long, like uh, skateboarder shorts, oh, yeah. a tie dye t-shirt, flip flops. He had his dog walking beside him in the dressing room. I had walked into the video, you know, the room where there sometimes would be video, not yep, the dressing yep, room, but the yep. other room where they got coffee in the fridge back there. Yeah. He he's watching MTV and there's a Sinead O'Connor video on and he, <laughs> I meet him and he says, have you seen this video? It's fantastic. Oh, that's funny. And, and so he was so different than what I expected. Sure. But um, his video was outstanding. Like we would have, it wasn't long. Like he would, yeah. he would come in for a game and he'd have like three minutes on the other team's power play, a bit on their penalty killing, two or three minutes on their team. You know, like he, he really prepared you or he was almost the first coach that, this is what we do off a of face-off loss. This is what we do off a of face-off win. So everyone was on the same page. Right. Now, when, you know, before that, when we played, we all knew those things, but the odd time you weren't sure as a defenseman, I'm not sure what this guy's going to do. So I better just play it yeah. safe. Sure. I can't take my man fully till I know he has his man. Sure. Um, Roger was, a, he was a good teacher, good systems. Night. Um, I just thought a really good person. Like he, he would get upset. That, and as mad as he'd get, he'd say, "For crap's sake, come on, guys!" You know. And, um, but he didn't, um, didn't belittle, embarrass guys. You know. I just, 
a lot of positives there. So I, when I ended up in Buffalo, I, I knew Lindy as a person, but I also knew, you know, he'd coach with uh, Roger and, you know, they were extremely coached and or th- extremely close. And so I was excited to go and play for sure. a, a player. And so how many years did you coach with Lindy in Buffalo then? Coached um, eight years in Buffalo and then four in Dallas. Right. How did you do in Dallas? You guys ever get close to winning? Um, no, we went to the second round, uh, lost in game seven to St. Louis. Right. St. Louis went to the semifinals that year. So uh, I was actually just in Dallas uh, a little while I ago. Know. Yeah, right I know. Dallas. I saw the pictures and how was, how was it? Minus, was minus five. Minus five. Okay. You were? <laughs> we don't know this for sure. No, but I, I, I clearly was minus. Yeah. We were getting spagged eight to two late in the game. They let us back in the game. Yeah. But great. Uh, did they have the alumni room when you were there at the practice facility? I think they, they know. I, I know they built that alumni yeah. dressing room for them at uh, yeah. one of the places, but that wasn't there when I was there, but no. um, Bobby Basson. Yes. What a fantastic yeah. guy. Yeah. Really good. And yeah. I know he runs the alumni. I, I don't know. Like who would have played on their team? Like I know he's there and yeah, Ludwig's there. Gerald, Gerald Diddick, uh, he's been stung by a few bees there. He's allergic to the bees. He's a big man. Yeah, he's funny. He's funny. So uh, Ed Belfort skated out. Uh, Marty Turco was there. Did not play. Um, the goalie that may have I can't remember. Kerry Letton. Kerry Letton was there. Actually, he played too. He just retired. Vern Fiddler, who hadn't retired uh, very long ago. Uh, Bobby did, did kids play? Yeah, they played. Yeah. Yeah, so like I've I, I played thirty some years ago. This kid's out there I hadn't played. He's just well. That's what I'm saying. I'm going. Who did they have? Like, but Fids is. I'm good friends with Fids. I coached oh. him. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, awesome. good guy. Awesome I talked to him guy. a little bit after the game. We had a short little chat after the game. Good guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Al Secord was playing. Um, he never played for Dallas, but is settled in that area now. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, they did a good team. It was good. A lot of fun. They did like, great stuff for charity. They had like a soup kitchen. I think their charity was for. But Basson's a fantastic person. Yeah, he really is. He's yeah. you know, yeah. and so yeah, Gravy and Joey Mullen and yeah, Matt Mato Kovalev, Casparitis, uh, myself. Uh, that might have been all the players. Uh, yeah, those players. Oh, but it's funny. Awesome. Yeah, we had uh, Brian Mullen, myself, and Adam Graves all got the bald heads now. I know. So, I saw the picture. Oh, you see it? Okay. Yeah, that's funny. That's good stuff. So, so I saw the comments too. So. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so you had four years in Dallas, and then uh, you guys did. Did you go right back into junior hockey right away after you're in Dallas? Yeah. What What had happened? Uh, long story. I so we coached the four years in Dallas. Um, and uh, last year we didn't make the playoffs and, and uh, I had a gut feeling, um, you know, and you know, you know, you have high expectations and um, we, we, the year before went to the second round, we had a good team. We had good players. Our goaltending really killed us the last year. Um, and uh, so we, we ended up getting fired. And so, you know, definitely wanted to still coach and, so basically when at the end of the year, you start looking at um, the other teams that are going to be hiring new coaches and there's all, you know, every year that carousel goes around and there's yeah. five, six, seven new head coaches. And then when that takes place, sometimes, you know, it happens within a week. Sometimes it's a month after the season ends, but that new um, some new coaches were are hired. And so I started putting in a couple of calls to some of the new coaches at that time. And one of them was, uh, Gerard Glant got the job in Vegas. So that was the year after we got fired in, in Dallas. And, um, but I called, uh, George, like George was a GM and Kelly McCrim was the assistant GM. So I called Kelly, I called Kelly to get uh, Gerard's number and 
but Kelly said, no, Gerard's already hired his assistants. He's bringing all three, two guys from uh, Florida. Um, so I remember I talked to um, Rick Tockett in Arizona and it, it looked like um, something was, there's a good chance of something being there. You know, we, we talked about coming in for, to, to interview, but when I ended up talking to Kelly McCurman, Kelly had been um, owner coach GM in Brandon for, you know, he'd owned the team for 30 years, but kind of coach GM for the last 20 maybe. Mm-hmm. And now he was in his second year in Vegas. He'd, he'd sold the, he'd sold his team, but he asked me if I'd ever consider coaching junior. And I said, yeah, no, I would for sure. Um, it, I loved coaching the NHL, liked being an assistant coach, but you always wonder what it's like to be a head coach. Sure. And um, so he had known that these two um, Winnipeg businessmen who um, were looking to buy a franchise, they thought he thought they had just, no, at that time they had just bought a franchise and he thought they were going to let their coach go. And he said, something might come up here. He said, would you want me to put your name forward? And I said, yeah, I'd definitely be interested. So that's kind of how it initially started. Um, that was a so Kootenai, the, correct? This Kootenai Ice? The team was Kootenai Ice and these, uh, this businessman and his partner from Winnipeg ended up buying the team. The businessman ended up being Gresh's nephew, Yeah, um, which I, did, I didn't know at the time. But so started talking to the general manager. Um, we talked for about three weeks on the phone. Um, talked for a week. He wasn't sure if they were even interested in making a coaching change to, you know, and then or pretty early I said, well, I, you know, I don't want to be talking to you unless there's yeah. an opening and I don't think it's fair to the guy. And he said, yeah, you know, as soon as we do some, you know, if we do something, I'll get back to you. So that kind of was the first conversation, but then they, they let the guy, the coach go. And then it, it, the process played out over the next two or three weeks. And while, um, and it, I ended up eventually getting offered the job. Um, by then I'd left Dallas and was back at my cabin. So I, he asked me to fly to Cranbrook on the owner's private jet. So I drove to Winnipeg, the private runway. I get on the jet, just me and the owner and, um, the whole flight. He does not tell me, he does not tell me who he is or. Oh, doesn't know. So he, he doesn't tell you he's Gresh's nephew. I have no idea. He's Gresh's oh, nephew. Oh, okay. I know, um, you know, he knows hockey. He played college hockey in the, in Boston, like division three. Right. Um, he, you know, I asked, was asking him all about his businesses. He's, you know, it's call centers around the world and um, they do a lot of consulting businesses with bi- consulting work with businesses. But he, he's obviously aware that you and Gresh have played together. He knows that. He knows the whole oh, okay. history. He knows that he knows Gresh, him and Gresh have talked a lot and he told Gresh, do not say anything. Oh, okay. So, you know, we're not sure whether, you know, whether we end up hiring this guy. We and we literally land, and he goes, you know, uh, my uncle played in the NHL. <laughs> I go, really? I go, I go, when did he play? He goes, oh, he played from, I think, seventy four to ninety. Yeah. I said, well, I played against him then. I said, what team did he play for? He goes, he played for the New York Rangers. And <laughs> I go, okay, then I played with him. What's uh, his name? And when he said Ron Gresher, I just about died. Uh, and I said, okay, why didn't you tell me this before? And he goes, well, we wanted to keep a secret. He, I taught him. I coached him at hockey school. Gresh oh. had his hockey school in Poughkeepsie. Oh yeah. I went up one year uh, for two weeks and taught at Gresh's hockey school. Right. And the nephew was there. Oh. The nephew, the, Gresh's sister, and two boys were there. Staying. Right. We all stayed in Gresh's old farmhouse. Oh, that's funny. So, 
anyways, that's how I ended up coming to coaching junior. The, within we played two years in Kootenai, and then they moved the franchise to Winnipeg, right. hometown. Yeah, um, and it's been uh, yeah, it's been been fun. It's been interesting. It's been uh, fantastic learning experience. Right. And James is very humble, as we know. He won Coach of the Year last year in the Western Hockey League. Or was it the CHL? Was it the whole? Oh, just Western Hockey League. Sorry. So I ask about this, and he just ignores the whole thing too, right? We, we we were doing a show before together with uh, Larry Melnick, Ron Gresner, and myself, and James, and uh, it was a little bit more off oh, the that wall. Zany, wacky show. You're yeah, right. it was. It wasn't really James's thing. Is uh, he had coach, so we have to maintain a certain level of uh, intelligence, which we were not doing on that show. Didn't you put like a, a toilet ring around your neck on that show or something? Didn't you do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did I put something around my? No, I didn't put it. Though, no. <laughs> Uh, James, I tell you though, us God, I mean this very seriously. Uh, first of all, thank you for coming on the show. Tell us your story, but uh, you're one of the favorite guys I played. Not just because uh, you're a fun guy and have fun, good player, and all that, but I really respected you a lot. The way you carried yourself as a person, uh, the success you've had after the game, and everything really shows that. I think in the coaching level, so you should be very well, proud of yourself. Oh, thanks. I didn't know I'd be a coach. I've been. I I knew I wanted to do something. There's a you know a few things I was looking at, but Man. any regrets, I, James? Any regrets at all? No, no. I mean. Uh, as a coach, you when you're talking to other players, I, 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 I've made a rule of thumb. I will never talk about well when I played. Right. When I played, we did this. I will never say that. Right. But I do say I wish I knew a lot of these things when I was your age. Yeah. Jesus, I knew this when I was 18. If I knew this when I was 20. Yeah. And I wish I wish I knew. I knew, I know I tried my hardest. I know I. Oh yeah. Prepared and I tried my hardest with the knowledge I had. I did dumb things. I did. I did um, stupid things, even preparing, or I did selfish things. I, I know now we talk about, we talk about, we have mental skills with our team. We talk about the attitude that bring that players bring every day. And, and you, you were in charge of that. Yeah. And, and your mindset, I, I mean, we had a real hard practice yesterday because I, I felt our team, we haven't had a lot of conditioning lately coming through the Christmas break and, and we played the night before and we had some players that are really grumbling about it. And I talked to the team. I said, you can, you can motherfuck me. You can be mad. You can be pissed off. You can say, this sucks. I don't want to fucking skate. I don't want to work. I said, you can have that. But when you say that, you're going to say it a thousand times in your head and you're going to make this the worst experience possible. Yeah, yeah. Or you can say, hey, I'm here to get better today. Okay, yeah. we got to work. I got to put the work in. I'm going to work. It's going to be, we're going to be on the ice for 40 minutes. I'm going to put in hard work. I'm going to get get it done. I'm just going to, hey, this isn't too bad. You can change the narrative in your brain. Yeah, totally. Yep. I know I was as bad as anyone when things got, you know, I could yeah. get down. I could get mad about stupid things. I I wish I knew more. I, I wish I knew better mental skills. I, I, wish, I wish I knew better relaxation techniques. I wish I'd learned how to breathe early and I wouldn't get it so tight over things that didn't matter. I didn't know all that stuff. Yeah, I know. I, I don't know. have regrets. I don't, I don't, I've, it's been an incredible journey. It's, I was in the NHL for 33 years as a player and a coach. Yeah. Now wow. I've been able to coach for seven years doing this. So I've been, I guess you, I'm where I am today. It's, it's from all this, the journey over these last 30 years and cool. you learn and you try and be, Try and pass it on. Try and be a good person. That's the way I look yeah, at it. Yeah, I think that's the big thing, right? So you say to yourself, this is what we had back then. This is what the skills we had. This is all we knew. Like I trained my core now. I didn't know what the core was. There was an apple core back then. And now, you know, someone's better off. So, yeah, I, I James, I really think you've got to look back at your whole life uh, in general, but your 40 years, both coaching and playing, and uh, you should be really proud of yourself. So 
does great well, stuff. thank you. Thank yeah. you. I, I'm proud of you with what you're doing with your life now. And I do mean that because, I mean, I know the transition is hard. I know um, when your career ended, um, you know, I thought it was, I was happy to ever see around the rink that you became an agent. Yeah. Um, than a but I did, I did wonder, I did wonder how you would, how you would make out. I, I, Sure. Because we were pretty close and I felt close teammates when I started. Yep. And then, um, you know, you, you know, with your back injury and your injury, your career ended. And, and I know you looked at truck driving school and then I don't, you, you know, I know you didn't pursue that. So I wondered, okay, what is Tommy going to do? You know, like, yeah. and, exactly. but I think the positive vibe and, and the message that you pass out, like that makes me, I'm super proud of that. And I do think, I mean, I, I've, Again, in my um, being around the game for a long time, like there's a former owner, president of the Sabres, his name's Larry Quinn, who's he's still in Buffalo. Like just, I got to know him very well from my time in Buffalo as a player and a coach. He does everything possible that he can to help out ex-Sabres. Oh. Help out guys who are, who are down on their lockdown, need, how can I help them with their careers? How can I help them, you know, find jobs? Um, like he's, and he's a, he's a really good person. Like, and, and I, like we, you don't think about that when you're 30, yeah. you know, you're, you're a player and you're focused on, but I, I, I love, I love playing with Willie Huber. He's a fantastic teammate. And I know, I mean, he had a tough go after hockey Yep. and I, you know, I was still playing and I'm now I could look back and I just said, geez, I wish, was there someone there to help Willie, yeah. you know, make the transition from player to, you know, to, you know, to being proud of what he's doing or happy with what he's doing to, you know, you know, and so I don't know, I don't yeah. know what, what happened. And, it, but I, so I look at, at your journey and I say, Dude, this is awesome. I mean, I think Tom, you know, being, being a role model, a mentor, a leader. Come on. You got to say, James, you're shocked that he, he's doing this, right? May, maybe a little, no, no, I'm not shocked, but I'm, I'm real happy how, yeah. how, how it went. But James, you, you're just, you look back to how we were and how we acted when we played. No, I shouldn't say how weak, how I acted when I played. And to think then that I'm now going to be doing the things I'm doing now, like the healthy lifestyle and the I mentoring know. and all that. Yeah. No, I wouldn't, I, so, I wouldn't blame people at all. They go, holy crap. He's really doing no, that. And, yeah. Like the one thing I'll share, I don't want to, I don't want to broadcast this, but I, I, okay. Drinking was part of our culture when yep. we played. Yep. And we used to play Saturday away, Sunday home, a lot of the games get Monday off Sunday night. We went out, you know, yeah. I used to go out when I was young in the city, get home at four or five in the morning, you know, sure. drive drunk home, you know, you'd sleep till one in the morning and then be groggy. And then I had, I wasn't very good in practice on Tuesday, but there were times where, you know, we'd be, we'd have drinks the night before uh, practice, you know, after a game and we practice the next day and you'd have 10 beers and you have a couple of shots. I was, awful in practice tommy was the best practice player i've ever seen after drinking a lot yes <laughs> I, get, I mean yeah it was incredible like i it would blow me away how good he could be in practice and i'm going he would he drank 15 drinks last night or 20 drinks i, I so i know we, we that was our culture but i'm saying yeah. where you've gone yeah with your lifestyle i'm i am 
proud and happy is all oh, I can thank say. You. That means a lot to me. Lisa Mike. Seriously, from you, James, it really means a lot to me too. So very proud of you too. You've had a fantastic life. It's not over yet. Still a lot more way to yeah. go, but uh, great job. And listen, thank you very much for coming on the show. I know you're very busy trying to win coach of the year again in the Canadian Hockey League. So keep one game going. at a time. There you go. Just bro. I'm you trying go. to win uh, win for our team. That I'm not nothing I don't care I about coaching. I know, I know. I care about it more than you do. So that's uh, yeah. I say so yeah, I keep going. Yeah, have a great year this year and thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks, James. Okay, thanks for having me. I will uh, I will keep watching uh, some of your other podcasts, your Thursday one every chance I can. Yeah. Still All love right, it. Right. Good seeing you. Talk to you. Okay, Tom. Take care. Well, that was awesome, Tom. As a you know, kid who's a Ranger fan, that was cool. And it's great to see like the, the love between you and, yeah. and James. You know, these these shows have been great, but that one you could just really feel that he, you know, he's your friend, and that's super yeah, cool. Yeah, a lot of respect, uh, and I like he respects me as well. And it's kind of funny how we laugh and joke around about what I'm doing now compared to what I was when I was a player. Uh, yeah, it's uh, fun times. He just he's one of those guys that when you play with him, you just like you're really proud that he was your teammate. You know, his effort he gave, the way he carried himself on and off the ice. So it was great to see him again. He's good. Yeah, that was a, that's a great show. Yeah, really good. All right, grasshoppers, thank you for listening. We had a fantastic show. We'll see you next time. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home, yes, cool, or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.